1: Well, Exodus chapter number three is going to be where we move in uh, part of our our series. And God's been doing some neat things this morning. Every service has been distinct, as we've seen during this series. But God's going to speak to us clearly, I believe, from this passage of Scripture that I had never equated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We started here last week and really didn't make it in the meat of this message. So I missed the heart of some of the message in this, this service with my excitement. And so I may uh, brush over some of those things today, but let's look at Exodus chapter number three and verse number two, as we begin uh, studying um, the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, because we've been pushing toward what? All right. I, I believe that God wants us to, to talk to us. Let me just, before I read this, then we'll pray afterwards, but let me say this, um, how many of you have been in church long enough to remember this phrase? I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, member of such and such church, and on my way to heaven. How many of you see your hand? Oh, glory. There you go. <laughs> All right, I feel better. First service, I had one hand. Last service, I, I think I had one hand, maybe two. And this service, some of you understand what I'm talking about. You know, when we were growing up, we we, we found this constant push toward uh, uh, toward Pentecost. We found this constant push toward Pentecost, and and what I found was this: we we, we were trying our best to, to convey a topic that everyone needs. Let me say that again: everybody needs. If you have not been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen for that? But what we were doing was pushing people towards something that sometimes they didn't even understand. And so for the last Eight weeks, seven, eight weeks, I've been preparing you, pushing you toward Pentecost. The Jewish celebration of Pentecost happening this weekend, and then to the church's celebration of Pentecost happening next weekend. And as we've been studying this, we've been saying, okay, what is God trying to teach us so that we're ready for the move of the Spirit of God on Pentecost? What is God trying to show us? What is God trying to do? And God gave me a very interesting scripture this morning that I think really brought it home for me. He gave me the passage to where God speaks to Peter and he tells him to go to Cornelius' house and, and he tells him to go and, and to preach the gospel to and tell him what they've learned. And, and when he gets there, he preaches to him, tells them about Jesus. And then suddenly they are filled with the same Holy Spirit that, uh, uh, that Peter and the others were filled with on the day of Pentecost. Let me just go ahead and tell you now. There's not different levels of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the same for everybody. Can I get an amen for that? And so what we've seen is this mark of the Holy Spirit, but God showed me something I'd never seen before, that God was already preparing them before even the gospel got there. God was already preparing their hearts because what does the Bible say about Cornelius? He was a devout man and a righteous man, and he was was living in a way that God could show up and God could do something in his life. And I think what's happened is, so many times, we've said, okay, now you need more of God, but we've not helped people realize that you've got to prepare a place for God. You've got to prepare a place for God to sit. You've got to prepare an environment for God to be in. How many of you have ever traveled into a third world country? Anybody ever traveled to a third world country? Here's one thing I've found that church services in third world countries all have in common. Are you ready for this? They all have those little light chairs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those little, little bitty lightweight little, little chairs. Now, let me just explain to you. Lightweight chair and me don't go in the same sentence. It's not a God thing. When I walk up to lightweight chair and I go to sit down, lightweight chair disappears. So I realized after about five times of a church being embarrassed because the guest pastor got up off the floor that I just said to them, look, I'll just stand over here. And they go, no, pastor, we want you to sit. And I'm like, no, I'll stand over here. And I said, if you want me to sit, then you need to provide an atmosphere I can sit in. So what they do is they take five of those little lightweight chairs and put them all together. Come on now, amen. And and then I kind of sit there precariously. But when they put those five together, it adds strength to it and they provide a place for me. Can I tell you that some of you, you really, really aren't sure about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you feel like somehow that maybe somebody else feels more than you feel. Or somebody said, I feel God. And you go, well, I don't feel anything. And you feel like somehow you're a second-rate citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But the Bible tells us that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all who believe in Christ. It's for everybody who believes in Christ. So instead, and I know I'm jumping the gun here, but I feel this in my heart. So instead of feeling like a second-rate citizen because you're not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, maybe you ought to ask yourself, have I built a life that he can be seated in? Have I built a life that he can change my life through? And so here in Exodus chapter number three, we find an example of how to prepare our lives for a move of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, we talked about this last week, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? Notice this. When he saw a supernatural encounter, he pursued it. Let's say that again. For those who want to have a move of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to start pursuing a supernatural encounter with God. Some of you are afraid, what if it's not real? What if it's in the flesh? Can I tell you, some of you need some kind of an encounter, whether it's real or not. You need a move of something to happen in your life. And can I tell you, when you begin to pursue God, you will find it is real. And you will have tasted And you will know that the Lord is good. And you will know what it means to feel the power of a living God. I feel this in my soul this morning. And I want you to get this. Notice, he says, I'll go see it. And the minute that he turns, God sees that he's caught his attention. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, when he saw him coming to investigate a move of God, God calls to him from the middle of the bush. Now, watch this. Here's what we see. We see a move of God begins to happen, and then we see God begin to call out from the middle of the move. He says, I want you. I want you to see what's happening here. God wants you to hear him calling you to a deeper relationship with him. But notice now further, God calls him, and he says something interesting. He doesn't go, hey, you. He says, Moses. Moses. Can I tell you that God not only is doing something supernatural, God's not only calling you to supernatural, He knows just who you are, He knows just how you live, and He still has chosen you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen for that today? Amen. That's what God wants you to hear today. Now, this is important. Listen to what He says. He's, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't come any closer the Lord warned, take off your sandals or take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. Father, today I thank you that you are going to bring a revelation into our lives. Lord, a revelation that lets us know that you're preparing us for deeper things, for greater things, for a move of God. Lord, we want, come on, help me, we want a move of God. We are pushing toward Pentecost because we need the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we are asking you, God, to change who we are. Change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me just say this. It is my desire today that you change your shoes. Now, before you take your shoes off, just hold on just a minute. My sermon topic, take your shoes off. When I read this story, I noticed that when God said to Moses, take off your shoes, I had to think, why did he not say take off that nasty hat also? I mean, Have you ever seen somebody who works in a humid, arid climate's hat? How many of you are getting a little turned stomach now thinking about it? Come on. It's not good. But God doesn't say take off your hat. He says take off your shoes. And I had to then ask, why does he say, take off your shoes? Well, the question is not why he says, take off your shoes, but rather what is on your shoes. Now I must give you a disclaimer for those watching, for those listening and for those present. If you're eating, you might want to stop. When I ask you what's on your shoes, I'm going to tell you, last service had trouble with this math, but I'm going to tell you about an experiment that they did. They took... Ten people and gave them each a pair of shoes. Now watch this. Ten people gave them each a pair of shoes, which provided how many shoes? Twenty. Somebody in the last service was going with all excitement. They went two, 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 and I went no. Ten times two equals what? Twenty. Twenty shoes are involved in a two-week study. 20 brand new white shoes were involved in a, in a study. And they gave them to them and they told them that you wear these in your normal life. You wear them doing what you normally would do, and then after two weeks, we're going to examine your shoes. And so they brought their shoes after two weeks, turned them in, and after they turned their shoes in, what would you imagine was on them? Well, this is what they found. They found that on the exterior of the shoe, there was 421,000 units of bacteria. How many of you want to talk about the inside of your shoe? 421,000 units of bacteria on the exterior of your shoe and the stinky part on the inside. Are you ready for this? Only had 2,887. That the exterior of your shoe carried much more filth than you can imagine. Out of the shoes, 19 out of 20, listen to me, 19 out of 20 were covered in fecal matter. How many like... Move on, Pastor. Come on now. They were covered in fecal matter. It gets worse than that. 19 out of 20. I thought, how long would it have taken for the 20th one to get dirty? This tells us that your toilet seat is cleaner than your shoes on your feet. Just say it with me. Move on, Pastor. (laughs) Let me just give you one more fact before I move on. Listen to this what we gather, their inference in what was gathered from this study, that there is a 94% chance that what's on your shoes is also tracked in and begins to grow on your kitchen floor. How many are going to have a change of rules when you get home? Come on now, amen. It begins to grow on your kitchen floor. So that when, watch this, that when you think it's somebody else's interaction that's made you sick, that you got around somebody sick, that the reality is that more often than not, what has made you or your children sick is not the interaction with others, but it's what you walked across with your bare feet in your own kitchen because you watched, watch this, You tracked something in that had no business being in there. And here's where God began to deal with me in the spiritual side of this. What does he say to Moses? Take off your... Oh, come on now. You got to help me. Come on. Take off your shoes. And God is saying this. He says, Moses, I'm not going to let what you have walked through keep you from walking into what I have called you to. Let me say that again. God says, I'm not going to let the journey that you've walked through keep you from going on the journey that I've called you to. I'm tired of letting what you have carried in your life keep you away from a move of the power of the Holy Spirit. God says, take off your Shoes. Help me, woman, time. take off your shoes because we're going to get you cleaned up and we're going to do something in your life that empowers a place for the Holy Spirit to be seated. Amen. Amen. Pastor Don, you're supposed to behave. Have you not learned in 30 years of me pastoring this church? I don't know how to behave. (laughs) I am burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit in my heart today. And this tells me that when Moses walked up toward the burning bush, watch this now, his feet were covered with the region and the remains. I get that picture a lot better than I used to. I was in uh, India one time, and in India I was following uh, uh, two groups. There was a sheep on this side, about 200 sheep on this side, and 200 goats on this side. And as I'm following these sheep and these goats, it's it's like it was snowing, but it wasn't white. The whole road was changing shape, and I watched those poor shepherds following that down the road. And I realized something, that they were covered with everything they were having to walk through. Listen to me now. When you have walked through pain and suffering and struggles and problems, you're covered in it whether you know it or not. It's sort of like when I go to the Middle East. When I go to the Middle East, I have an area of my closet just for the Middle East, takes me about 10 minutes to pack for a 10-day trip into the Middle East. I have certain kind of lightweight clothes, certain kind of shoes. I have shoes that I like to use in Israel because of the sharp stones there on the streets, and, 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 and I can just pick them up. It never fails. The clothes come out clean, ready. They're all sitting there, boom, right into the suitcase. But the shoes... It doesn't matter how many times I scrub them before I put them in the closet, when I go back to pull them out of the closet, the dust of Israel is still all over the shoes. Listen to me. I don't care how you try to paint it up, clean it up, straighten it up, when you are trying in your own power to make yourself ready for a move of God, listen to me, you will never make it on your own. But what God's looking for is a people listen to this preacher today, a people who will say, I might not be able to get there on my own, but I'm going to start walking there on my own. And somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit's going to show up and help me become stronger. Amen. Amen. I feel this in my heart today. You see, what's on your shoes? What remains of where you have walked in life? You find yourself even saying things like this, Can God use somebody like me? That's your shoes. Can God use somebody who has scars? Can God use somebody who has anxiety? Can God use somebody who's been abused? Can God use somebody who's been a sexual abuse victim? Can God use somebody who's trying to hide what I'm trying to hide? Can God use somebody like me? You see, God chose you. God's ready to burn in you. But what you're going to have to figure out and how to what you need to do is you're going to have to take off your shoes. You're going to have to take off what? Your shoes, because when you travel through certain regions, it ends up all over you. I thought, how fitting. I thought, okay, I'm going to preach a message about having, trying to get keep clean shoes, and, and so I, I wore these white shoes today just for that reason. Do you know what I did not do? I did not put them on until I got in the building. Why? Because my nasty old truck is dirty with the horse farm. Come on now. It's dirty with stuff that has no business getting on my white shoes when I'm about to preach about keeping yourself spotless and stainless. Watch this now. So I put on some old shoes and I guarded these shoes until I got to God's house. And then I slipped them on and and I came in here to bring you this message. But let me just tell you about an illustration of that from my life. I'm in the middle of a jungle. It's hot. It's arid. I mean, it's horrible and the place is filthy and all of a sudden I go into the arbor and I, I mean I got dirty just walking from the guest hut to the arbor and I walk in and the people are in the cleanest, crispest clothes you could ever imagine. They're in these beautiful inlaid uh, uh, detailed white clothes and I was in a place called Jeremy and, I, and, and they're in Jeremy. They walk out and, and they're in the whitest clothes you could ever imagine. And I said to the guy with me, I said, how in the world do they keep those clothes so white? Why did they wear those out here in the middle of the jungle? And here's what he said to me. He said something that spoke to my life and it's guarded my heart. He said, they may not be able to control the environment in which they live, but they can control the clothes that they wear. And so they made up their minds, I might not be able to change where I am, but I can keep myself pristine. I can keep myself, can I just tell you today, I'm not trying to jump the gun, but the Jesus that I'm preaching about is coming after a church who's guarded their garment, who's kept themselves pure, who walks in holiness, who walks in righteousness, and he's coming to get them one day. Hey, can I get it? Amen for that. Amen. But do you know what gets on your shoes? Oh, I've stepped in insecurity. Your insecurities. I said something in the first service that didn't fly in the last service, and I doubt it'll fly in this service the way it flew in the first service, but I said it to our our oldest uh, group in the church, and I I said this to them. I said, your insecurities you had when you were a child are still in your life at 80. I said, it just manifests different. Instead of you showing out, you'll make a statement like this. I just know who I am, and I'm going to tell you what I think. You know what? Out of those 70 80-year-olds, they all went, mm-hmm. <laughs> Why? Because the same struggles you've had as a child will be the same struggles that follow you all your life unless you take off your shoes. Good. Listen to me. You can find security, and you can be secure living in an insecure world. And here's how you're going to do it. John chapter 16, verse number 33. Now listen, I'm just going to listen for you for just a moment. Watch this. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. All three services the same. I get an amen or a hallelujah on I have overcome the world. But when I say, you're going to struggle. Nobody says a word. When I say, look up, get happy about it. Nobody says a word. When I say you can overcome, everybody's like, amen. Could it be we have trouble believing we can overcome when we're in the middle of tribulation? When all we can see is the muck of battle on our feet? Listen to me. Living a godly life in an ungodly world is not an easy assignment. One of my favorite scriptures from the Old Testament, David has gone in to partake of the showbread, and the man said to him, I would give you the showbread if your men had kept themselves pure. And David said, though our mission is unholy, listen to me, he said, though our mission is unholy, the men are holy. It is possible for you to walk in a world that's falling apart at the fringes and still serve Jesus. Do you know how you're going to make it? How many you read lips? What did I say? The Holy Spirit. Believing God's word will offer us a stability in life's everyday journeys and its unplanned detours. Now we've been on this study around here about a particular word. Does anybody remember what that word was? Uh, let me just do it for you. Help me with it now. We've got Let's try it again. P-S-T-I-W-O. And that's the word we've been working on. And that's the word in the scripture that means that you believe in something and in somebody that, that will carry you through. It's the word that means that, that that there is a call or an assignment on your life to come to a higher and better place. And it's the word that we found out it's also can be interpreted to mean a faith that is a continuing faith. So what that tells me is I I can overcome the world. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can overcome the world by pastilles. Watch this now. I find in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4, for whatever is born of God, watch this, overcomes the world. If you don't feel like an overcomer, it's time for you to listen to what I've come to tell you today. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to overcome. Why? Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Let me just back up and tell you, I don't care who told you, you'll always have that sin in your life. They were preaching a lie. Pastor Don, that's judgmental. No, that's truth. I can tell you that the God who died for you is also able to set you free and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit it will be accomplished. How is it going to happen? How am I going to overcome? Is it, is it by slapping myself every time I do something wrong? Can I tell you what that's going to do? It's going to give you a bruise. Is it by putting a quarter in a jar every time I mess up? Let me tell you what that's going to do. It's going to make you rich. But those things will not help you. But what is the victory that overcomes the world? Our, what's the word? Pestilo. My belief that there's a God who's called me. There's a God who's chosen me. He's anointed me to be better than something I am. And come what may, whether I fail or whether I win, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'll take off what I don't want you to wear anymore. I'm going on for Jesus. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a Raised like he deserves today, man. So we overcome by accepting those truths. Let me give you two quick points. Here's what I have found. Rules in, oh, I stepped in insecurity. Watch this. The enemy will use your insecurities. When I figured out what my greatest insecurity was and is, It's helped me learn to live in a healthier place. Listen to me. The only, you need to take notes of this, the only control the enemy has over us is that which is out of control in us. This is truth. The only control the enemy has over us is that which is out of control within us. If you feel like you're riding a roller coaster of emotions because of your insecurities, listen to what I've come to tell you. Take off your shoes, stop carrying that junk, and get near the fire of God. Second point what we won't face gives the enemy place. Say it again. Why don't you say it with me? What we won't face gives the enemy place. Until you're willing to get honest about where you are and what's going on in your heart, you'll never change your shoes. I I, I didn't have time to really follow this point in the message, but it really stood out to me that... I never see God say, okay, put your shoes back on now. I had to wonder, did he go barefoot from there? Or did God somehow equip him to stop? Oh, this will preach. Maybe this is why I felt to follow it. Stop seeing it for what he thought it was. And start realizing what it really was. You see, God wants to speak to our hearts today. It is my goal when I come to this pulpit. As a young pastor, it was something I wanted. A young preacher. I wanted wanted to do good. Just imagine, I had, I had hair that looked like Pastor Paul's back then. You know what I'm talking about? And that hair would get flopping while I was preaching. I wanted to look like a preacher. I wanted you to say, man, that guy's got a good life ahead of him. Now, I really have one goal when I come up here today. Or two. First, that if anybody's lost, they'll know Jesus. And second... And somehow what I say can get out of the way and what God's trying to say will run right into who you are. Because I couldn't make it without the Holy Spirit. I don't care who's told you it's real or it's not. I'm going to tell you, try it for yourself. You know, I pick on Pastor Michael back there because... There's a certain kind of computer that I, I'd always thought about buying. He'd say, you're going to hate it. 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 Don't get it. He's like, you're going to, He's, here's what he really said. He said, you're going to make my world complicated because I'm going to have to teach you how to use it. 20 minutes, 20 minutes after I bought it, I said, this is the finest computer I've ever had in my life. And there's no way I'd ever want to go back. 20 minutes. And some of you are going to come up to me afterwards and you're going to go, what kind of computer was that? This is not a computer class. It's just simply a point. I didn't try something because someone I trusted's opinion didn't let me try it. I don't begrudge that to him. Finally one day I got a wild streak and so I'd take a walk on the wild side and got my own computer. Guess what? I have loved it. I don't care who's told you that these spirit-filled people are fanatical and you need to be careful. If I preach anything that is not in the Word today, I'll be right here, right after church. I'm not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of your questions. Don't you miss out on something because somebody else told you it wasn't worth trying. You listen to this old preacher. Serving Jesus is the best thing you'll ever do. And the only way you'll ever do it right is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Join me on this pursuit of Pentecost. It's next Sunday. Pastor Don, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? All I know is I'm doing what I think they did during the 10 days that they waited and prayed. So I'm trying to prepare us. And then I got to trust him to do the rest. Why don't you let God prepare you and start trusting God to do the rest? Stand with me. None of us are going to be perfect. The question, go back to that last slide there, uh, Austin. The question is not if you're perfect, it's if you're flammable. Are you willing to let God light you on fire? Are you willing to let God burn inside of you and change your life? Take off your shoes. You're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've lived my life in places of insecurity, anxiety and struggles and problems. I want God to help me change my shoes. I want to take off what I've walked through and I want to be empowered by His Holy Spirit. If that's you, let me see your hand right where you are. Hold them up high. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. I want to literally be able to look at everyone as you hold them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. God's speaking to you right now. God's speaking to you right now. This is what just dropped into my spirit. There's literally like a stream of healing coming into you right now before the flame, we got to have everything washed out, cleaned out. I think we tried to describe that. And when I was a boy growing up, we tried to say, what do you need to confess? What do you need to get rid of so that nothing hinders the Holy spirit right now? Every, everything that's, that that's held you back that made you feel like God couldn't use you. That's made some of you try to feel like, like above and beyond in, in your pursuit. Listen to me, God's healing. God's grace is covering you. God's strength is upon you. Lord, I thank you and I bless you and I praise you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. nobody looking around I want to ask you in this place if your heart's not right with Jesus if you've never surrendered your heart and soul to Jesus Christ would you do so today would you say today is not something you, you, you've done every week I'm after a very specific group that say today for the first time or as a point of rededication because it's been a long time I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And you realize you're going to have to change the shoes that you're wearing. You're going to have to take off some yesterday's pains and sins. But today's the day. I'm not going to call you out and I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to see your hand right where you are. hands are already going up. One. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others that will join with these? Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others that will join with these three? Thank you. Thank you. we're gonna believe in faith we're gonna pray with them right now as they confess Jesus Christ as Lord of their life let's pray together Jesus by faith I believe your promises Heavenly Father I am a sinner in need of a Savior and in Jesus name I receive your grace from this moment forward Let all that I am and all that I'll ever be belong to you. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And now I declare that God is my Father, heaven is my home, and this matter is settled. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise offering today.